1: Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still.
2: If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic
0: rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes... Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK, and BikeRadar.com.
0: welcome to the bike radar podcast today we are going to talk about e-racing or e-sports or whatever you want to call the strange phenomenon of competitive cycling on the internet using apps like swift i am matthew loveridge i'm joined by simon bromley and jack luke both bike radar stalwarts so lads what's up in the world of professional cycling With esports. Jack, do you want to set
1: the scene for us? So, unless you have been absolutely isolated, and lucky you if you have uh, from goings on in the world, then you'll know that COVID 19 has caused chaos in pretty much every aspect of life and, unsurprisingly, sporting events. And you could say, arguably, in particular, cycling has been really affected by this, with pretty much the entire calendar decimated. I mean, as of yesterday, um, before this was published, we were told that the Tour de France is almost certainly going to be postponed once again and, if not, possibly cancelled. So the kind of the the regular racing calendar has completely been knocked off of kilter. And unsurprisingly, brands need to, or I should say teams, need to find some way to fill their time uh, and also with some kind of commercial opportunity. So we've seen the likes of Zwift and Ruby and others taking on essentially virtual versions of their races. So just to give it some more context,
0: the concept of e-racing eSports, it's not new, is it like it isn't new this year.
2: This isn't like the first time this has ever happened. Simon, do you want to?
0: No. Some so
2: there? actually, like Zwift have been hosting professional races on their platform for a couple of years now. I think the Kiss Super League started up in kind of early 2018, and you know this was long before anyone saw this kind of lockdown coming. So it wasn't something that you know they they weren't planning for this. It it's kind of been you know they've been there to fill a gap that's kind of appeared, but it was something that they were doing anyway, and and actually you know it it's been very it's been very popular even before then and maybe not with kind of traditional cycling fans like us but there is a huge audience for esports in other you know in other sports so football has the kind of fifa e world cup and there'll be you know there's obviously like the standard video games like call of duty and all that stuff but that you know those are kind of less it's, physical it's worth mentioning
0: that actually isn't it that there's that kind of weird distinction because we've got the new kind of esports we're talking about now which are athletic based esports but then you've also got gaming
2: esports which are quite a different thing aren't they? Yes yeah they are very different obviously because you know FIFA the video game for football doesn't involve any physical activity whereas you know Zwift, Zwift does obviously you have to you have to pedal a bike but I think that's probably largely down to practicalities of that you know you can pedal a, a virtual bike in a sense whereas that's not really practical for football um but or in yeah, Call of as, Duty you're not firing an yeah. actual gun
0: in your living no room.
2: but but there is a kind of you know <laughs> that that might be something we see in 10 years when VR becomes a you know a bit more of a thing I, I think I, I was kind of going to say that you know in, in December 2018 Zwift apparently raised 130 million dollars of investment that it was intending to put towards racing and things like that and and if you you know that's that's not that's not billions of dollars but it's more than most cycling teams are able to Mm -hmm. raise over the course of sort of four or five years so I think even if it's you know I think you know as you said in your column it's it's not the same as traditional racing and it won't really ever be a replacement for it but it's certainly something different and I think it looks like there could be a lot of money in it, and I don't think that's something that cycling can really turn down. Just just to uh, interject
0: there, Simon is referring to the seminal piece I wrote for <laughs> Bike Radar um, <laughs> called "Why yes. Why Esports Why E Racing Fails as a Spectator Sport," and that's what we're going to go on and talk about. Um, further bit of historical context, actually important, is that last year British Cycling actually held its first e-racing championships and then there was of course that whole controversy with Cameron Jeffers and the special Zwift bike um that is a separate story
1: it's delightful (laughs) to see that cycling or I should say virtual cycling has already seen its first doping scandal so while we (laughs) might not get the day-to-day drama of the the regular sport we are getting at least that part
2: it wouldn't be cycling without a doping scandal would it
0: (laughs) no no not at all so uh this year under covid what events have we had i know there's been the the Tour of Switzerland replacement there was there was another one as well wasn't there virtual yeah tour of so Flanders? you had the
2: tour of, the virtual Tour of Swiss on uh rouvy which is a kind of competitor to Zwift. um and then we also had the virtual Tour of Flanders earlier in the year and there have been you know ob- obviously there are other there are other events going on all the time um but those are the kind of the two the two kind Be- of big because ones those those were with guys who were like at the top of the game yeah world
0: tour, tour pros. pros yeah yeah and uh, who won who won the flanders one again it's gone out my head greg now. van Avremart. yeah who in the real world could quite easily have won flanders so like yeah. that's that's a, a plausible thing i guess
2: Yes, uh, but obvious, but the problems we've seen maybe on Ruby, for example, is that it, that ge- that game in inverted commerce doesn't have a drafting mechanic. So we just saw time trialers win all of those stages essentially because it just turned without drafting, it just turns it into an FTP test, and who can sustain the biggest power yeah. number from start to finish for the longest time. So we saw riders like the world time trial champion Rowan Dennis winning a couple of stages. Stefan Kung won another one. You know, you know, so it completely <laughs> it
0: completely upsets the apple cart in terms of the yes. dynamics of a pro race yeah. compared to what we're used to. Um, what about Zwift? How does that handle? that? So Zwift
2: does have a drafting mechanic, and it's much more sophisticated to be, you know, kind of complementary in that sense. So you you know you can have pelotons, you can draft other riders, and there are even you know uh, there are kind of power ups, so things that lower your virtual weight for a little bit or make you more aerodynamic make it easiest draft you know it's not quite mario kart but it makes it <laughs> introduces a kind of tactical element that i think is really necessary if it's going to be interesting to watch because i think one of the things you cited in your column it was that there is an element of randomness and and tactics and and other things like that in real cycling that computer-based cycling just just doesn't replicate
0: yeah i think and I think Jack will probably back me up on this. My biggest issue with it is pro cycling is a whole spectacle. You don't just watch pro cycling because you want to know if rider A is faster than rider B. You watch it for the stories and sort of the narrative that plays out across races. So if, like you say, with if you don't have that drafting dynamic, for example, that's a completely different game. And then you've also got all the random crazy stuff that happens. And particularly when it comes to Grand Tour racing, like the Tour de France, it's on such an epic scale because you've got riders riding over this amazing scenery. You've got the whole mad caravan of vehicles. You've got helicopters. You've got spectators screaming and flares going off. And it's just it's like a crazy circus of things going on. Contrast that with virtual cycling, which is pretty much watching somebody ride an exercise bike. In and then you've got the accompanying visual of a virtual landscape. I really struggle to see why I would want to watch that.
1: Yeah, there's just no visual spectacle behind it. And you know, you can't really even make a comparison with the likes of like even Mario Kart, genuinely, where that in itself is an experience. It's like watching a film almost. Whereas, you know, something like Zwift really is just, it's a tool in my eyes, really. It's not a—it's yeah. not an experience. And, and it, it's you know, a tool we respect, kind of, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, as a training tool, it's superb. I mean, like, there's no doubting or no questioning the effectiveness of structured indoor training. But just because it's an effective training tool does not make it engaging watching in my eyes. And the thing that's really struck me with this is that people are are obviously keen to defend it. And there's lots of people saying, well, you know, it's better than nothing, which I would kind of argue, well, does it really need to be there in the first place? Financial uh, kind of requirements aside. But everybody's kind of justification for it has been, oh, well, the commentary is really good. That was good. We've got these people talking about it. And like, well, you know, if I wanted to listen to people talk about cycling without anything to watch, I'd subscribe to a podcast like Bike Radar's. You know, Ooh, it's Very just, good. It's very got, good
0: plug. Good plug.
1: It's it's just got <laughs> none of the none of the visual drama, none of the spectacle, which makes racing interesting to watch, and that fundamentally, for me, is is the problem. I mean, something like Ruby that we mentioned before, that the Digital Swiss was held on, that's genuinely interesting in that it mixes uh, kind of real life footage with augmented reality graphics but the graphics look terrible i think you you came up simon you said it looks like um road rash yeah. <laughs> that was matthew or, like, i wish oh, it was, it was matthew,
2: so.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: a, a classic
0: game but not yeah. something that perhaps we should be emulating in 2020 no. I, I, th- I think I, so I think weird i completely agree
2: <laughs> I, I i completely agree i think you know we should we should remember it's kind of early days and the kind of visual if we look at computer game graphics you know right like road rash, that was the early days of video games. but if we look at video game technology now it's massively improved, and so we're only going to see this get better and so the visual spectacle will improve uh, you know it won't be able to replicate it won't be able to replicate what we see outdoors, and I think that it, there's no point pretending that it can yeah. it, it's uh, it, so i think you know a little bit how fifa the world cup and and in real life and the fifa world cup and the video game they're not necessarily it's not necessarily a crossover of fans and i think it, you know to put the business hat on again and, and kind of be a young tory it it's kind of i don't know if cycling can afford not to get into this in a way because even if people the traditional fans of the traditional sport like us aren't necessarily going to buy into it. There's a market there for this kind of thing that cycling with its terrible, terrible business model that just doesn't generate any cash. And we see teams and riders, you know, going under every, every kind of year. It's just something that we can't afford to pass up on, you know, it, it, even our audience. I mean, we polled our audience on YouTube the other day and 41% of them said that psych, said that easy e-racing has a place in pro racing. And so, you know, if our audience wanted, it, then we're going to have to report on it, aren't we? <laughs> Do you <laughs> it's think... It's a good point,
1: Alex. Um, s-
0: sorry, Jack. Um, just going to say, Simon, on that, if we weren't in a lockdown situation right now, could you imagine any circumstances in which you would choose to watch this kind of racing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I already watch um, other people play other video games online and... I know that that is massively popular with other people as well, and Swift racing has been one of those things that's been on the back burner for a kind of couple of years you know i 've heard other people racing about it racing and talking about it, and I know that they did Swift hosted that draft house at the uh, Yorkshire World Championships last year where they had a big event you know they a little bit like a kind of an old style track meet where they sold tickets. They had they had a bar, you know. They invited famous people along, and you know, it. They kind of made an event out of it, and I, I can I can see myself having gone to something like that, you know, and, and paid money to sort of be there, and you know. So yeah, I, I can see that there would have been a situation where I would have tr- at least tried it. Whether you know, whether it would have really. <laughs> it's it's like i said i i, I it wouldn't have rep- it would never replace traditional bike racing for me obviously but would i watch it as well like yeah maybe i you know i don't watch cricket and i don't really understand why anyone watches cricket but <laughs> it's really popular <laughs> yeah jack i know you
0: watch less bro racing than simon mm-hmm. can you imagine wanting to watch it whether well no. in lockdown or not in lockdown
1: no, it's, it's like visual self-flagellation. I would rather be doing <laughs> hill repeats or something, you know, more meaningful with my time. I just, uh, I just can't put myself in that headspace. But then, you know, I even think about watching actual games. You know, I used to play plenty of video games, and, and I would struggle to watch someone play that, I think. So maybe it's just a mindset question. Perhaps I need to free myself from my shackles of assumption because... You know, I can appreciate people's skill in playing these games and doing well. And then on Zwift, well, yeah, it's impressive to see someone mash themselves to pieces with a billion watt FTP. So it's like, I don't know, maybe I need to give it more of a go, more time. I I think what you alluded to there is
0: it's the key thing for me is like, does it have to exist at all? Because... There are so many things I could be doing with my time. There's so much content I could consume. And even if I am confined to my house because we're in a pandemic, there are lots of things I could be doing, like making nice food or gardening, if I'm lucky enough to have a garden. And it just seems like pro cycling is in this position where it's fighting for its life, which is totally understandable. But that's kind of not my
2: problem in a weird way. (laughs) But it, but it is, it is. If it goes away and we won't have anything left to watch at all, I think that you know, like I don't, I you know, the the business model of cycling has been kind of broken for ever since newspapers stopped needing the race to kind of sell it, you know, and 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 it's so reliant on the Tour de France, and you know, there was five years ago. You used to hear all the time that we were going to, you know, we should have revenue sharing. The Tour de France should revenue share its money and give it out to the team. You know, Jonathan Vortis used to say that all the time. He's the head of the uh, EF education team. But that went away because the, the Tour de France doesn't really, even though it's the biggest event on the calendar, the Tour de France doesn't really make that much money. And actually, a lot of the money it makes goes into subsidizing the races that are loss making, like the Criterion, de Dauphiné, and things like that. And, you know, if the Tour de France was not subsidized, by the kind of French government, it might disappear. And if the Tour de France disappears, the rest of pro cycling grinds to a halt. And so it's just not a, you know, I hate to be keep putting the kind of business cap on, but it's just not a sustainable business model. And like the sport has to look for, for other ways of making revenue. And I'm not arguing that this should replace pro cycling in any way. But I'm simply saying that it, I just it's, this is an opportunity that it can't afford to pass up you know I think you, you know, we were talking just before the podcast Matthew and, and you mentioned how there's a kind of disconnect between spinning and the likes of Peloton and things like that and then indoor cycling on turbo trainers and it's mind-boggling that no cycling brands got in on that spinning market because it's a, you know it's much bigger than yeah, the they're, kind so, of market they're so closely bikes. related and yet so separate and
0: different because one is a Spinning is this kind of part of that commercial gym world. And then like indoor training on Zwift and stuff is is cyclists on
2: smart trainers. And it's just a totally separate market. It's really odd. Yeah, but the spinning market is much, much bigger. There's much more money in there. I mean, obviously Peloton, you know, famously kind of went massively valued and then kind of crashed a little bit after releasing on You know, releasing its stock publicly, but they still, they were still kind of, it was still multi-billion-dollar company. You couldn't say that of any anything in cycling. You know, it's time to kind of, you know, whether we like it or not, it's time to kind of like look at the. You know, this the COVID crisis has been a has kind of brought these things into real focus, and it is time to to look at what. The sport needs to do to kind of bring itself into the modern era, and like you know, we don't necessarily have to watch these races. But like with video games, Twitch, the the kind of website that streams video games, is one of the most popular things in the world, and and there's huge money to be, You know, companies like Disney are investing in in video game esports, and you know if they're getting involved, then that that means serious money. And if you know, if cycling companies that you know like like Bike Radar, but also brands if we don't get involved in this someone else will fill that gap and we won't have a job and I need a job <laughs> I want to get job. <laughs> <the help. laughs>
0: okay let's let's say I put you two in charge of cycling I make Simon president of the ASO <laughs> and Jack president of the UCI what are you two gonna to do to what are you gonna do, Jack, to make racing worth watching in all its forms? Like what makes it exciting?
1: I think what you mentioned with EF education is probably the steps that I would be making as as a cycling team. I think moving into the more left field events and doing something that's genuinely interesting are probably slightly tainted in my view in that I'm viewing it from more like a content perspective and the stuff they produce is am- I mean genuinely an absolute event in itself to watch. And it's really great. And the exposure that I get as a viewer to the brands they talk about is much more valuable than even in racing. So I'd be encouraging more brands or sorry, more teams, I should say, to, to do events like that and produce that kind of content. Because personally, that's something I'd rather watch than Zwift racing, which bear in mind, I'm sure they're probably being paid in some capacity to take part. And I'm sure there must be prize money, but it is also a sponsorship opportunity. That's, that's how teams make most of their money personally i'd rather watch that but i i i do agree with simon there's clearly demand for it but i just i cannot put myself in that headspace it just sounds yeah. so boring <laughs> i
0: i'm i'm totally in the same place on that one simon I, any yeah i uh,
2: i i completely agree with jack on that kind of content front and i think you know what they've what EF Education has done has been brilliant, and I think the days of just sort of slapping a logo on a jersey and and calling yourself a you know moving billboard you know those those kind of days are over because I don't think that there's no you know what the advantage of putting your content up on YouTube and social media is that the audience to to that content can be quantified very precisely. And so that's something that can be sold to brands to make sponsorship worthwhile whereas if you if you just you know if you're a jersey a, a logo on a jersey in the you know the Criterium de Dauphine that's very hard to quantify who's watching that because it takes place at three p m on a weekday and is only really shown on kind of niche channels yeah I always and, wonder when you see those um really classic euro teams
0: like is it androni Giocattoli? yeah could be saying yeah. that wrong and they've got like 50 logos (laughs) on their jersey and you're thinking like how did that cement manufacturer
2: benefit from Uh, that i think i think those companies there's so there's there's you know we still see it these days even team Ineos is basically sponsored by a guy a rich guy who's having some fun with his cash and that's so unreliable as a business model you know if even the best team in the sport is doing that I think it kind of shows that we're we're in a massive hole, and I think what EF Education have done is really really good, but again, it doesn't make enough money to kind of pay the really top riders of the sport to compete for things like the Tour de France. And I think there's more money to be made as well. And I think maybe looking at it as an either or situation, I think is is probably the wrong thing. And I think I don't think it's it's either or i think it's as well yeah
1: all right anyway it I doesn't think... really matter what we think the three three heads of the cycling <laughs> media elite we're not going to change or turn the tides of pro racism. well it's yes be there is that our beloved audience
0: <laughs> so i think maybe let's wrap up the esports there um a final word on the subject simon esports has a future
2: Yeah, I think so. I think purely based on on the fact that there's money to be made, I think esports has a has a really big future. Jack?
1: Reluctantly, probably.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say I don't think it's going to go away. But ultimately, unless it does something radical to improve its offering, I don't care, basically. (laughs) Right thanks very much for listening that was a friday short on bike radar podcast uh please don't forget to like subscribe share whatever you do with podcasts give us five star ratings wherever you listen uh thank you very much simon thank you very much jack thank you thank for you. listening pleasure
1: ciao Bye-bye. bye bye Bye. Right. thank you for listening to the bike radar podcast
2: if you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling check out bikeradar.com